Hi, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week two of our Advent series, The Bethlehem Effect, which will take us through Christmas Day. If you would like more information on our services through the holiday season, please check us out online at ccgf.org. Here is the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott with today's sermon, The Effect Leading to Courage. Thank you for listening. Good morning, Christ Church. Well, we are in the uh, series, The Bethlehem Effect. And uh, if you were here last week, I just want to make comment on this real quick. You know, last week, Ed Glover was here and talked about the effect uh, of what happened and how it affects our lives. Talked about Mary. And when the angel came and visited Mary, talked about the, the power of Christ coming to be born uh, in a manger. The fact that he was the savior of the world, that he died for our sins. So let me just encourage you. I know last week, many, many people... Uh, made a commitment to Christ, asking him to forgive their sins and put, give, make a relationship with him uh, a priority in their life. And so let me just encourage you, if that was you, I, I, I'm, I'm so proud of you, I'm excited for you. And if you didn't grab a bag last week, we have a new uh, believer bag, we'd love to give that with you. We'd also love to talk with you. So any uh, time that you have, you can talk to myself, Pastor Jamie, anybody else here, we'd love to get you started on that journey because it's powerful. That's the one thing that we hope and pray for this uh, season. That uh, no matter what's going on, that we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? So let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the fact that we can uh, be in your house here. And we can sing your praises, really out of thanksgiving for what you've done for us. Father, we are so grateful. We're so grateful for the fact that we can sing these, these carols, not just because it brings warm, fuzzy feelings, because it reminds us of Christmas, but because we truly mean them. We truly mean them. And so, Father, we thank you. Father, thank you for your word, too, and how it teaches us and affects our lives on a daily basis. So, Father, I pray that you speak to us now. I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart. Father, that you impress upon us the message you want us to hear. And I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, last week we talked about Mary. This week we're talking about Joseph. You know, I think it's interesting that Joseph, we just read that passage, Matthew 1, there's so little about Joseph in the passage. There's so little about Joseph in, in the Bible. It kind of makes you wonder, like, was there anything else? How did Joseph feel uh, when he went through this? I mean, what a, what a main character of this story, the earthly father of Jesus. And we have so little about him. You know, there's so, many, there's so little about so many people in the Bible that, you know, I, I can't wait to get to heaven and ask my heavenly father all the questions I have about these people in the Bible. Like, what, what was it like for them? What was it like for, for Noah in the ark? How did he deal with that smell, God? How did, how did, how did Jonah uh, deal with fish after he was in the whale? Did he ever have an allergic reaction to fish afterwards? Adam and Eve. Did Adam and Eve really have belly buttons, God? Is that true that they had belly buttons? If their body was so perfect, God, does mine com- compare in any way, shape, or form to the perfect bodies they had? I mentioned that at the 845, and someone from the congregation yelled, No, really loud. That hurt, that hurt my feelings. Um, <laughs> Daniel and Belshazzar, when they saw the writing on the wall, did that like freak them out? Was that like the craziest thing they ever saw? What was that like? Uh, there's, a, there's a narrative in the Bible about Balaam's donkey. Balaam's donkey started talking to him. An angel came and uh, started making the donkey talk. Was that like, did that freak him out? What was that like? What was it like for for David having to defend off, like to, to take on Goliath, what was, he, was he terrified? What was that like? What was it like for people in the New Testament that, that Jesus healed? What, were their, what was the reaction to what happened? What about the, the, when Jesus took 
I always think about that when Jesus took the uh, demon out of the, the demon-possessed man and put him in the pigs, and the pigs all went over the cliff. I always think about the, the owner of the pigs. Was he like amazed or ticked off that now all his pigs are now gone? They're just gone. What was that like? What was it like when people encountered Jesus? What, what, what do they say? What do they do? All these people in the Bible, and we have Joseph, makes me wonder a lot about Joseph. What was that like? What was it like for Joseph? I, I have no idea. What was that like to, to hear that his wife's now, uh, wife-to-be was, was going to uh, give birth and he had nothing to do with it? What was it like to be at the, the manger? You know, I, uh, I don't know about you, but we have um, manger scenes in our house. For some reason, we have like 10 of them. I'm not really sure why. But uh, I don't know about you, but if you've ever had kids in your house uh, or you yourself as a kid, you always play with the manger scene. I don't know if that's just in my house. Maybe it's just my house because we don't give our kids any toys. But uh, maybe they play with the manger scene. And uh, I remember doing this as a kid that, you know, you get out for Christmas and you kind of reenact the story, don't you? My story was like... There was the manger scene, and then I bring in some like army guys, and they would have like this big battle at this manger scene. I know I came home yesterday, uh, the other day, and my the manger scene in our house was like tips upside down, and all the people were like inside it, like upside down. I thought, what, what happened there? They said, well, we had a we had a big battle scene, and then the apocalypse happened, and everybody like ended up in the manger. I was like, that's not how it happens. Uh, I walked by last year. I remember my kids were reenacting what would happen. And I heard them, you know, talking about like Mary talking to Joseph. And, and I heard one of them say, yeah, call me later. I said, that is not how it works. But we put ourselves in that story. What would it be like? What would it be like for Joseph? What would it be like for Joseph when, when Mary tells him that she's pregnant? Did he have that like sickening feeling in his stomach? As some of us had. Did he get nauseous knowing, okay, everything's about to change here? Did he have that? Did he, did he ever wonder what it was like to raise Jesus? Did he ever arm wrestle Jesus? Did, did he ever let him win or did Jesus ever let him win? I don't know how that works. Did he ever ask Jesus for advice on how to raise him? Did he ever ask these questions? Was he ever questioning when he got to the stable and go, is this really how it's supposed to be in a stable? Is this right? Am I on the right road? What happened here? There's a lot we don't know about Joseph. There's a lot we don't see. The only thing we get from this narrative is we have about eight verses here about Joseph, uh, the earthly father of Jesus. Just a small narrative, but that's enough. Because what we learn from Joseph really affects us in our own lives. Because we see the crisis that he faced, the charge that he was given, and the courage that he had. The courage that he had. You see, Bethlehem affects us all because Christ being born to die for us allows us to have a relationship with him. So we have the hope now and when we die. But it affects us here on earth when we go through life, when we face our own crisis, when we face various trials throughout life. You know, Jesus had to be born of a virgin. That's what the prophets said. And that's, it needed to happen. That's the divine that happened. That's the miracle that happened. But he also needed an earthly father, too, because he was a helpless baby. He needed someone to care for him, someone to raise him in this world, someone to provide his needs. And that's where Joseph comes in. He's no ordinary man, though, because he obviously is given an extraordinary task. There's a crisis that he faces, isn't there? There's a crisis that he faces. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you. You're in uh, verse 18 of Matthew 1. What's the crisis? It says in verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to Joseph 
to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But because Joseph had... Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So there's Joseph, crisis. Crisis comes up. That crisis, first off, is an unplanned situation. Now, you have to understand, back in those days, the the marriages were often arranged. And so Joseph and Mary knew that they were going to get married. That was the idea. They knew that was going to happen. But they didn't live together. They didn't act like a married couple. It was just that was the the plan that was going to happen. You two are going to get married. That's what we would refer to now as like courting. Not dating, because you're not trying to figure out if you're supposed to get married. Courting, going, okay, we're going to get married, so that's the plan. And there was kind of a period that led up to it. So there was a, there was a, there was a situation where, where Joseph said, okay, listen, I've got a plan. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. We're going to get married. We're going we're to live in this house. We know that Joseph is a carpenter, because from other passages we, we see that Jesus is the son of a carpenter. So he's... He's got a situation. He's planning for something. And then Mary comes to him and says, uh, Joseph, you, uh, you might want to come down off this ladder. Uh, I got something to tell you. You might want to put the hammer down because I've got something to tell you. And then all of a sudden, this crisis was going to change his life forever. How many of us have gone to a point where we say, you know, we've got a plan. I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to marry this person. We're going to have this many kids. We're going to live in this kind of house. Every child thinks about those things. We do that as adults. It's going to happen like this. But then what happens? The crisis happens. An unplanned situation. And it's something that we don't prepare for. It's something that we don't know is going to happen. And then it changes our life forever. We're going along and think, oh, everything's going well. We've got a great family, got a great home, got a great job. We get that call from the doctor saying, hey, uh, we might have found something. Uh, we need you to come in for some tests. Unplanned situation. Or, hey, everything's going along right, and uh, all of a sudden you realize your spouse is cheating on you. Unplanned situation. Or you're going through life and things seem to be going great. you got this wonderful job, and all of a sudden you just get that pink slip. You get your boss telling you, hey, listen, we're going to have to let some people go. It's an unplanned situation. Joseph was a planner. He must have been a planner. Every carpenter I know is what? Is measure twice, cut once. He's got to have a plan. Everybody did. He was going to get married. But yet, here it comes. Here's the crisis. Unplanned. It's going to change his life forever. Now he has a difficult decision. Here's the decision. He's he's a faithful guy. It says he's faithful to the law. So he knows the law. The Old Testament law says if you find someone guilty of adultery, you're supposed to stone her. Okay? So that's what happened in John. We see the the woman caught in adultery. They bring her before Jesus. says The Old Testament says we're supposed to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? It's the same situation. Joseph knows the law. If he's faithful to the law, he knows that that since he had nothing to do with it, that she must have committed adultery. People are going to at least see that, so she must be stoned. So that's one decision. The other one could be, you find it in Deuteronomy 24, that since she's unfaithful, that he could actually divorce her. And that's what he has in his mind to do, it says. He says he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. So those are the two decisions. Not very good decisions, neither one of them. We've all been there, where the choices that we have, neither one of them are good. It's what we like to call a caught between a rock and a hard place. Neither one of them are good. We've been there. I've been there. The question for Joseph, the question for you is, did he lose heart? 
Did he lose heart because the crisis, this unplanned situation was there? That's why I love 2 Corinthians 4. It says, therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I wonder if Joseph ever thought about that. I wonder if we have. That our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory. I don't know. But I know Joseph was in a crisis. And he was about to go through a trial. As we have. Joseph also knew the Old Testament. He must have known there's been other people before him that have gone through trials, right? He must have known about David. David was supposed to be the king. Now he has to fight off lions and fights off bears. He has to face Goliath. He's running from Saul. It's a trial. Joseph also must have known about the other Joseph in the Old Testament. The Joseph, if you remember, the coat of many colors. He had the 12 brothers and Joseph. They all hated Joseph. The 11 of them hated Joseph and they, they, wanted to, they, wanted to, they wanted to kill him and they threw him in a pit. And uh, he ends up coming to this, this place of prominence. And so he goes through all these trials. Joseph is about to go through a trial. A, a trial, a crisis of an unplanned situation. How's he going to deal with it? How do you deal with it? So the crisis was there. There was also a charge that was given to him. A command, a charge. Look at verse 20. He says, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Don't you love it that we're in the midst of trials that God always shows up? It's not when we want him to show up. It's not when we think he's going to show up, but he shows up. And he helps us through them. He gives us wisdom as we go through them. Those of us know that have a relationship with him, we can call out to him, we can pray to him. I wonder if Joseph's praying, God, I have a tough decision to make. I really need your help because neither one of them are good. And then an angel shows up. Wouldn't it be be wonderful if every time we fell asleep, an angel showed up and told us exactly what we needed to do the next day? It would be awesome. All of us would be sleeping all the time. I'm just saying. Because the angel comes and tells him exactly what he needs to do. There's the charge. The charge first involved an action on his part. He's to take Mary home as his wife. He's not to uh, sleep with her or do any marital activity with her. And then thirdly, he's supposed to name the child Emmanuel, which means God with us. So there's the charge. Involved in action. Involved him moving. Involved him saying, okay, you know what? I've got to make a decision here. God gave me a decision. I'm going to make it. That was the first thing. The second thing, the charge was an amazing revelation. The command was an amazing revelation. He finds out who this baby actually is. It's not just a baby. It's the Messiah. It's the one that's going to save the world from their sins. You've got to know that for, for many, many years, people were looking for a Savior. Because the prophet kept saying that, that, uh, that, we're, that the Lord's going to come. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, it says in Isaiah 7. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, Isaiah seven fourteen. So people knew that. People knew that there was a prophecy. People knew that, that a Savior was coming. They were looking. They were wondering, hey, is God done with this world? Is God actually going to show up at some point? 
So the amazing revelation is, this is the baby. This is how it's going to happen. It's with Mary. And Joseph has been assigned to be the, the earthly father. He's the one that's going to save the world, from their, the world from their sins. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is what this is about. It's about Christ coming as a child to be born, to live a sinless life, to die for us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what this is all about. So the question is, is do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the effect that Bethlehem has on us all. That's the effect that Bethlehem has on the whole world. That's what gives us so much hope, so much joy in life, knowing that, yes, God loves us. He sent his son. He's here. He died for us. He rose again so we can have a relationship with him in this life and in the next, that we don't have to earn it, that we don't have to feel like we need to have the good outweigh the bad at the end of our lives, that we can say, you know what, God, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I know that you came. You sent your son to die for me. I I ask you to forgive my sins. My prayer, my hope here at the church is that you have that relationship when you leave this place here today. Because that's what gives us hope. That's what it's all about. It's an amazing revelation. And Joseph sees that. Joseph sees that. It is an amazing revelation. Here it is. Do you have that relationship? Not only is it an amazing revelation, but the charge had limited but complete information. This is the one I think is always interesting. The command that he gets has limited but complete information. In other words, the angel in the dream... God didn't show up and say, all right, Joseph, when you wake up, not only are you going to take Mary, you're going to have the baby, name him uh, Emmanuel, but when he's one or two years old, this is what you're going to do. When you're three or four, you're going to do this. Uh, when, he's, when he's five or six, this is how you're going to treat him. Uh, when he's around 30, he's going to start doing some miracles. And uh, he's going to be doing uh, ministry around the area. And then uh, he's going to be put on trial. And uh, he's going to be nailed to a cross. He never said that. Never outlined for Joseph, here's the steps you now need to take. Sometimes we wish that God would just put in our life every step that we need to take. And God says, you know what, I'm going to give you a limited information, but that's enough because I want you to have faith. I want you to trust me. I just need you to move. I just need you to have the courage to trust me. I wonder if Joseph was thinking, I wonder if he woke up and went, I just want to fall back asleep because I only have a couple pieces of information. Hopefully the angel will show up the next night. It's limited, but it's complete. I wonder if the Isaiah verse, Isaiah 55, came to his mind. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I wonder if Joseph ever thought about that. I wonder if Joseph ever thought, you know what, God's got a bigger plan here, a bigger picture. I'm going through this trial, I don't understand it. I don't know all the steps to take. I just got to be faithful. I just got to move. I just got to take action. I wonder if Joseph ever thought, you know what, God's got a bigger picture in mind. I'm on step one. God's already has a thousand other steps ahead of me. I wonder if Joseph ever thought that. I don't know if he ever did, but I know the crisis that he faced and the charge he was given, and I know the courage that he had. The courage that he had. Look at verse 24. It says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. You know, it's one thing to go through a trial. It's a whole other thing to go through the trial and respond properly, isn't it? 
I mean, it's one thing to have a chaotic mess of life or things are just unraveling in front of you. It's one thing to say, yeah, I've got trials. It's a whole other thing to have a good attitude while you're going through it. It's a whole other thing to have a trust while you're moving through it. We see the crisis that Joseph has given. We see the charge he's given. If, if, that was, if that was it, we'd all say, well, he has a crisis. We all have a crisis. What are we going to learn from this? We can learn that, hey, through crisis, we can have courage. That God's in control. And that's what we see from Joseph. We don't know what he thought, but we know the courage that he had. It was a courage of unconditional compliance. Unconditional compliance, the courage was. Any man, not any man, most men would have said, I'm not going to deal with that. Think about it. If that was you, and somebody came up to you and said, hey, uh, your, your spouse said, I, I'm pregnant. Men, let me put, put yourselves in their shoes. You're, you're, you're dating someone, they said, I'm pregnant. And uh, then you're told to stay with her. It's not your baby, but you're going to stay with her anyway, even though you're going to be an outcast now. Your whole life's going to change, uh, and it's going to affect you greatly. Uh, everything's going to change. A lot of men would have said, I'm not dealing with that. I'm giving up. Forget it. I'm moving on. I'm going to go a different path. Logically, it doesn't make sense for me to stay with her. I'm going to go my own way. Or you'd get really discouraged. You'd get really down. You'd go, this isn't right. This isn't fair. I don't have to deal with this. I, you know what? Why did God put this in my life? You could get angry at God. A lot of people would do, that, would do that. But Joseph had a courage of unconditional compliance. He woke up and did exactly what the angel said to do exactly what God commanded him to do, no matter what the outcome was. It wasn't that people were going to start looking at him differently. People were still going to look at him bad. They were still going to look at him like he had messed up, that he was unfaithful. He was still going to be an outcast. But he did it anyway. He did it anyway. He went through a trial and he, he persevered through it. I wonder if the story of Joshua came to his mind. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Some of you need to hear that verse today. Have courage. I'm with you. I'm with you. Not everybody else is going to be with you. The verse doesn't say that the world's going to be with you, Joseph. That the world's going to say, great job, Joseph. No, it says, I'm going to be with you. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I wonder if Joseph ever thought about that. A courage of unconditional compliance. He got up and did exactly what he was supposed to do. Not only he had a courage of unconditional compliance, he had unwavering commitment too, didn't he? Unwavering commitment. He took Mary home, and then he also did what the angel said, what God said. He says, don't have union with her. Don't sleep with her. Don't do marital activities with her. So Joseph makes one decision, and then he's got to go through another trial for nine months. I can imagine the temptation that was there. One trial after another. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Romans 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I wonder if Joseph was hopeful, patient through the affliction, faithful in prayer. Because he goes from one trial to another. And then he had courage of unfailing completion. He did exactly what God told him to do. He, he got up, he took Mary home as a wife, he didn't have union with her, and then he names the child Emmanuel. But the trial's not over. Nine months later, we see it going through again, where 
they're traveling and now she's about to give birth and there's no place they go to the inn there's no place for this baby to be born and there they are at a stable and the baby's born there I wonder if another trial came as he's getting older that he's under Jesus is under persecution people are trying to find him and kill him another trial there I wonder if Joseph went through another trial when his, his son is nailed to a cross and died I wonder if that was a trial one thing after another for Joseph. It was an unfailing completion. We never hear in the scriptures that he was unfaithful, that he didn't carry through. I think Joseph is one of those people that reminds us and gives us encouragement from the verse from James 1. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Then it goes on to say in verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one who, he who perseveres under trial because he has stood the test. The person will receive the crown of life that, that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Joseph persevered. He had courage. He went through a major crisis in his life and persevered. I wonder... I wonder, there was so much little information, but that was enough for Joseph. So little, so much courage, so great a crisis. I wonder if at any point, if he thought, God, are you still with me? God, are you still with me? Nine months later, they're on the road, and they're, there they are outside of this stable, and the baby's being born. I, I know when my kids were playing with the nativity scene, they, you know, the, the baby's being born, and they talk about, oh, uh, here's some hay for you, Mary, and make it nice and fluffy and fun. And, and I wonder, do you think that's what it was like? Do you think Joseph might have been going, is this right? Is this still right, God? Are you still with me? Am I still on the right path? Because you never told me about the stable. You never told me about all these things. Am I still right? How am I ever going to get through this? Could you send another angel, God? Could you tell me what the next steps are? Did he ever pray such a prayer? I don't know. But one thing I do know is that I've prayed it and you've prayed it. We've asked the same questions. It might not be outside of the stable, but a lot of times it's outside of an emergency room. We're asking God, what's happening here? My spouse, my child, they're sick. Is this right? Is this, how you, is this, is this the plan for me? A few weeks ago, I got a call. Two o'clock in the morning. Go down to Allegheny uh, Hospital. Man had a heart attack. Spouse is there, children are there. They're asking the same questions. Is this right? How am I ever going to get through this? God, are you still with me? Might not be an emergency room. Might be at your job or you lost your job and you go, okay, now what? God, are you still with me? How am I ever going to pay my bills? What am I going to do now? Or you think things are going well, you're on the right path, and all of a sudden you get that phone call from the doctor and says, hey, by the way, you need to come in because uh, we think we might have found something. We think it's cancer. I've talked to one of those people this week too. They ask the same questions. How am I going to get through it? I've talked to people in my office say, you know, I moved a far away for, to take this job, and now it's terrible. It's not working out. I've, I've moved my whole family. God, you still with me? Because that's not the plan I thought. I talked to somebody this, uh, this past week, too. They called my wife. Mother of four. Moved about two hours from here to take a job and just lost it. She's asking the same questions. 
I thought this was the plan. I didn't, I didn't recognize, I didn't know that this is, this is what, how it was all going to work out. I, am I still on the right path? God, are you going to show up? Are you going to tell me what's next? Each of us knows what it's like to ask those questions like that. Each of us know what it's like to go, you know, I have, I have some hard decisions to make and I don't know which one to make. I'm going through a tough time right now. I don't know which one to make. Some of you, it's not even necessarily a terrible crisis. Some of you are being called into ministry. You're asking that question to me too. Say, hey, God's calling me into ministry, but I, I just don't know how I'm going to do that. How am I ever going to pay my bills? How am I ever going to get through this thing? Or I'm, I'm called to serve in a particular area. I don't have the time. I don't know if I have the capabilities, but I feel like I should. How am I ever going to get through this? God, are you going to help me through this? Some of you have children who you say, you know what, I've raised them well, and now they go off the reservation. They're making some terrible decisions. You're asking the same questions. God, how am I ever going to get through this? God, you, you, you only gave me a little information on how to be a good husband or be a good wife, and I've done that, but now my spouse is unfaithful. What am I supposed to do now? You've been there. I've been there. I've been there with you. We ask those questions. We wonder, God, are you still with me? You go through a crisis and we wonder, what is this, what's going on? And I always answer the same way. People ask me, well, you know, Jared, what, what do I do? I say, I'm not really sure. But one thing I do know is that God is in control. And he has a bigger picture than you'll ever know. He can see more than you'll ever know. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And he's going to use it for your glory. Just like he did with Joseph. He's going to use it for your glory, no matter what trial you're going through. My encouragement is, do what Joseph did and have courage. Trust. Trust in the Lord, knowing that he is in control. Part of that may be you just taking the time right now and saying, you know what, I've never trusted God for anything in my life. I don't have a relationship with him. I really want that. That's why we encourage you to make sure that you know Jesus as the Lord of your own life. Because it gives us hope, not for eternity, but it gives us hope through today, through the trials we go through. You can't see the whole picture. Joseph could not see the whole picture, but he knew that God could. And that's my encouragement for you. You may not know the whole picture. You may ask, God, are you still with us? Are you still with me? I wonder if Joseph ever asked, God, are you still with us? And then he's reminded that he's supposed to name his son Emmanuel. God with us. He came to this earth because he loves us, because he wants a relationship with us, and he died for you and then rose again three days later. Why? So that we can have a relationship with him. So that when we go through affliction, when we go through pain, we can be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, because we know God's there, because he knows he can hear us. Well, you have that courage. He's still looking for Josephs today, people who, men and women, common men and women, who can serve an extraordinary God. And that's what gives us so much hope, church. Bethlehem affects us all. If you're going through a tough time, if you're going through trials, let me encourage you to have hope, have courage, knowing God's in control. Because he is. And that's what gives us hope today. Situation may not change when you wake up tomorrow, but I can guarantee you, you wake up realizing that Lord's in control, you'll have a much more peace than you've ever had in your life. Knowing that God's got a bigger picture and he can see more than you'll ever know. I know that full well through my life. Not because I've talked to people, because I've experienced it. I know God's with us. Do you believe that, church?
He's with us. He's alive and well. And he wants us to have a relationship with him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for the fact that we can have a relationship with you. Father, I pray that you be with that maybe one, two, three, half a dozen people in here who may have never given their life over to you, maybe have never committed to you and are kind of facing this world alone, who have no hope in this life or the next. I pray that you be with them. And if that is you, church, it's a matter of simply praying a prayer and asking the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Lord Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I am in need of a Savior. Wipe me clean. I want you to be the Lord of my life so that I can have a relationship with you now and into eternity. Father, thank you for the fact that we can have that relationship with you, that we can put our faith and trust in you, that you can get us through this life, that you don't say this life is easy, but you say that you're in control, that you're with us. So thank you for that hope. Thank you for that joy. Be with us as we approach the Christmas day. Help us to have that same hope and joy that Joseph had. Be with us. I ask this all in your name. Amen.